and welcome to the Jill Cruz podcast. This is Jill Cruz. Today, I had a wonderful, wonderful conversation with my friend, Anne Asher. Anne helps people release chronic pain. So we talked about, uh, first of all, interestingly, nonviolent communication. And so what she's learned about that and how it's impacted her life and, and really integrating this into your entire life and how we talked about chronic pain and movement therapy and, you know, posture. So, uh, but a totally unique and interesting perspective on this. Like, this is not what, what you think it's going to be. Anne talks about how when, when she says posture, people think, oh, I got to sit up straight. And she said, no, it's so much more than that. Like, and that's why her business is called posturally. She's made it into an adverb. Like, this is the way that it's, it's just a way that it's something you integrate into your entire life. It becomes a lifestyle. So uh, that'll give you a sneak peek of what we talk about, which is the body and movement and pain management, but from a very extremely holistic perspective. I think you're really going to enjoy this very dynamic conversation. Hello, Anne. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much, Jill. It's so great to talk to you again. And I'm really excited about our conversation. Yeah, me too. And you know, what's funny is that we met in Philadelphia, I want to say in 2017 or 2018 in, in October. I, I thought it was 18, but yeah. maybe not. Maybe it was 17. Yeah I, uh, yeah. yeah. I really, I had fun. We were on the rooftop. That was yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. We were at a <laughs> conference together and, and somehow we managed to stay in touch all of these years and, and haven't seen each other in person since then, which is the beauty of yeah. technology. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But one thing that I was excited about when, when I met you was that you help people well, um, I don't want to botch it up, but I, I just took from it for people to not have pain in, with movement and sitting. And I'm always intrigued by that, by people who talk about ergonomics and sitting properly. And we're sitting all day and all of that stuff is is so relevant right, right now. I mean, it was five years ago, six years ago, too. I think with COVID, probably even more so. Mm. So we're going to talk about that and what you do and how you help people. But I, um, before we were recording, we were talking about this concept of nonviolent communication and said, yeah, that's something I've heard of. I think I've kind of like, I'm sort of familiar, but I think it's something that what you described to me is so fascinating, such a wonderful approach to life and, and kind of putting life into context almost. Can you tell us a little bit about what nonviolent communication is and why yeah, so nonviolent communication was created by a psychologist named Marshall Rosenberg, who passed away five or seven years ago. And he basically, it is a system that you learn that uh, can help you get back to giving from the heart. And mm -hmm. so many of us, I am definitely one of these people, when, you know, sometimes giving from the heart, to me, it seems like I'm just giving unconditionally, but really it subconsciously it does come with these kind of, you know, strings attached. And the system that Marshall Rosenberg put out there can help you, it helps people identify and observe needs and feelings and then make requests based on that. And the other thing I want to say is we were already talking about, there's a lot to it, but one of the big things is there's this jackal inside of us, right? And so somebody does you some wrong song and you just want to punch their lights out and you're yelling and screaming and you know, getting it all out, whether to them or just to yourself to get it out. 
And that is the jackal expressing. And so nonviolent communications encourages people to express from their jackal at first to get it out of their system and to learn what's really on the inside. And then from there, you learn the giraffe language, which is about this idea of coming from the giving from the heart. The giraffes, I think, are the mammals that have the biggest heart of all, right? And how, you know, I don't want to take our, it would take the whole time to discuss what happens. But it, what happened to me was that, you know, I have a lot of uh, things that make the jackal want to come out. And I allowed myself to live in that land for a very long time. And I think it has some value to, to express from the jackal, but it also has come to a point where I'm realizing, you know, it's confronting me that this is not the way forward. So I re-signed up for nonviolent communications uh, about two months ago. I have been doing it years ago where I learned the basics. And it is just the most refreshing, restoring thing to, to work with a group. Sometimes it's two people, sometimes it's three or four people, sometimes it's the whole group to help others identify their needs and feelings because we play this like poker game where you say, okay, they describe a situation, a struggle they're going through. We say, well, and there's a list that you pick from. Well, do you feel abandoned? Do you feel rejected? Do you feel hurt? Do you feel happy, joyous? And then the person contemplates that and says, I think that's it, or maybe that's it. And then we do the same thing with what they need. And so in this way, it just, I come away with such a different um, energy around the things that make my jackal want to scream, you know, and I feel so much, so good on the inside. I feel very aligned with myself, my own soul for going through this. So I'm, I'm re I've recommitted recently. So I'm really glad you picked up on that. Yeah. So, you know, this is so interesting because I've been really playing around in my mind, in my curiosity. You know, I, I walk every morning and in the woods, centrally. <laughs> I've been thinking a lot about how our negative emotions, like fear, well, so-called negative emotions, right? Mm -hmm. I think that they can be a way of disconnecting from your soul, from your source, from your essence, but I think you're right. Yeah. But if so, that's like the jackal. Like, it feels to me like I don't know if this is true, but it sounds like, you know, when we're in that jackal mode, we're kind of disconnected from who we are. Whereas if we're in the giraffe mode, then we're more connecting like you, the word that you used. Yeah. yeah but I'm wondering, you know, I feel like. The jackal, I mean, the jackal's part of us too, right? I mean, you you said that in the beginning. It, it is part of it. It's not something we can just get rid of. Like, oh, I'm done with the jackal. Now I'm just a giraffe for the rest of my right. life. Like, that doesn't exist. And that can be challenging, let me tell you, to just say, okay, can't do jackal anymore. Oh, no, jackal still wants to talk. Yeah, know? yeah. Like, wh why? <laughs> but, I, but my question is, can we... Can we come to the place where we love the jackal in ourselves and that we actually see the jackal as a part of us and that is, mm -hmm. you know, it's just manifesting in a different way. It's it's because either way, both are very powerful. I mean, I think you could, if you sit there and you stew in that, that angry, and we were talking about earlier, like the political world is just, it's just a mess. <laughs> There's yeah. a lot of jackal it going the on jackal. there. And it's like, <laughs> right. if we let the jackal control us, then I think we get all messed mm -hmm. up. But if we could be more in touch with it and, and appreciating and saying, okay, well, actually, there's a part of me that is angry about that. And I'm, I'm justified in my anger about this situation. So yes, the jackal's coming out, but okay, that the jackal needs to come out because that was 
you know, something bad happened or whatever. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just, that's what I've been playing around with a lot in my mind is that, that how can we embrace those so-called negative aspects of ourselves mm-hmm. as being just another expression of who we are without it controlling us? Yeah, I had two thoughts and I hope I remember them. But anyway, I wrote a few <laughs> things out. But first of all, like in nonviolent communications, I think a big reason why they say let the jackal out at first is because mm-hmm. it gives us information about what's going on in the inside. Mm-hmm. And also my interpretation, they never said this, but I think the jackal is that wounded child expressing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times a wounded child doesn't have a voice. Yes. And and like kind of like the things that you said, because I've been listening to your other podcasts, you know, the ones I've listened to a lot of them, both interviews and your solo ones, but your solo ones, you talk a lot about stuff like this, right? Mm-hmm. And so um, if it's not going to come out in a way that's appropriate for society, it's going to come out anyway. You know, the jackal as wounded child, like mm-hmm. this is just, you know, kind of a permission to let some of that out. And yeah. I think you were also mentioning like, like I, I don't want to be controlled by the male dominant society and all the things that are going on, but at the same time, you know, and I want to be free to express myself as a woman and a creative and all that, mm-hmm. but I do not want to, in the process of that, make problems for my life because I'm also walking a very, like a tightrope with all the things of my life and who I am to balance. So please don't knock me over. So it takes Mm -hmm. an adult to say, okay, I do want to express all this stuff and I'm going to express it exactly the way it is. And I do believe the jackal is an embracement of of that. It's a way Mm -hmm. to do it in a, in a way, you know, again, that maybe can keep me on that tightrope walking without unbalancing me. So I don't know if that answers kind of what you're talking about or. Yeah, I think it's all, it's all part of the discussion. You know, I I don't really, I think it's more the inquiry and the curiosity that I find exciting. And I I love that for what you said about the wounded child, you know, Mm -hmm. the wounded child's going to misbehave because (laughs) it's a wounded child, you know, I, I always think about that, you know, like when I think I even said it in one of the podcasts recently of like, you know, when a five-year-old is happy, they're happy. I mean, they don't hold back. Right. And when they're <laughs> angry, they're angry. I just feel like as, as adults, yeah. we need to sort of spend some time observing emotionally healthy five-year-olds or, or seven-year-olds or three-year-olds and learn from them. <laughs> yes, I totally you know? agree. And and I know we're going to talk about movement therapy later, yes. but I also say that to people about their movements, especially when I talk to people who work at desks, you know, because the, the way the brain is, it's like, if you use it, if you don't use it, you're going to lose it because that's just our brain, which is a totally different discussion because it takes time. And so I like to help people who sit at desks year after year who end up like this, you know, all scrunched up and they can't seem to get out of the very stiff to say, hey, look at kids. Look at how they can squat really deeply. They can run, they can tumble. And then when they're done, they can pick themselves up and get back in alignment. And they don't seem to have much pain or, you know, they they really don't unless their families sort of expect them to cry when they have a boo-boo. A lot of them won't cry. They'll just, you know, rebound. And this is where we come from. And as we take on society, as we take on the the jackal of politics and the rigidness of the things we're supposed to do with our lives as we get older, especially sitting at a computer, we lose that reboundedness and we have things that cause us stiffness and lack of movement. And then that keeps going and going, which is, I have so many discussions I could give you, but they're, they're more like physiological and anatomical. So I won't do that. But 
You know what I mean? So, so we are that physically as well as emotionally. So this is the yeah. whole gamut. It's the whole umbrella really is how we as humans start and then look at where we're at now. Yeah. And I love all these techniques like nonviolent communications and there's techniques in every realm of our being, you know, because it it's, gives some hope that if you practice these things, you know, you can be, you can be yourself fully. Yeah. I, that's so wonderful because if you, if I'm in a place where I'm feeling very negative, you know, I'm depressed or I'm, I'm fearful, that is going to manifest in my physical body. So whereas may, maybe normally I stand up a lot when, you know, throughout the day, I have a hard time sitting for long periods of time at my desk. I start to feel mm-hmm. tension in my neck yeah. and my upper back. So when I stand up, my posture just corrects a lot more than if I'm sitting. If I'm feeling negative or if anybody's feeling negative, that is going to manifest in my posture, right? So I love how you're yeah. bringing, you're integrating into this work that's one might say, well, that's just, you know, movement therapy and posture, like that's just, that's just physical. No, it's, it's all connected that the, your spirit, your mind, your body, where it's all integrated and moving together. So you can't really talk yes. about posture without talking about your spirit and your mind. And that's essentially what you're yeah, doing, and- you know? Or I don't know, maybe not. That's what I was reading from what you said. That <laughs> No, I totally, totally 100% agree with you. Part of the process of when I came up with the name Posturally is because in one sense, and what the, the education that I have been privileged to learn and heal myself with and teach and help others to heal with is that posture is not uh, your mo- remembering your mother saying sit up straight and then you hear the word again and you sit up straight really fast. That is not <laughs> getting good posture. I'm, do- I'm doing it right posture. now. <laughs> <laughs> I do it. Well, I don't do it. I mean, I have my own process. But anyway, posture is a it's a process and it's a way it's, it's like an adverb, right? Posturally. We're, I'm going mm. through life posturally. So it's oh. an awareness of oneself. You know, I do focus on the physical a lot because I find I'm intellectually very curious about it. And I love mm-hmm. helping people and watch people learn how to move and break down their preconceived ideas of what they can't, you know, can and can't do and then open up, help them open up their own world. Mm-hmm. And I forgot what the first part of my sentence was. But I mean, I do that. But um, but it's for everything. You know, it's just that's the only way you can really achieve posture in the sense of the way I do it is is the whole being, mm-hmm. you know? And so yeah. I, you know, part of my thing is I, I like to weave in creative stuff along with anatomical and research-based science stuff mm-hmm. and help people to come to it on their own, which brings us to the topic of the pain medicine situation. If you want to discuss that, or if you want to continue with nonviolent communications, that's fine too. No, I think, <laughs> well, I, I think we're, we're actually just evolving here through the conversation. Yeah. Like we went from that yeah. more, you know, emotional world to the physical I'd love to hear about the pain management. Also, posturally as an adverb, like I just, I think that's so, that's so nice. It's so wonderful. (laughs) It's like it, it expands it. It was actually a way of being. This is a way of living your life. It's not just what you do when you're sitting on at your computer. That's awesome. Right. Because, you know, like 90% of the time I say posture and people sit up straight, like I've already mentioned. And that's such a misconception, you know what I mean? Because this is like when I healed all of my injuries and it's, well, it's an ongoing process. And the reason is when I had these big things that were standing in my way and I have clients that come in with big things that are standing in their way, 
the mindset shift has to be, and it happens as you try the work and you get these results and you start to really, it's very enjoyable stuff and it's very effective, but the mindset shift has to be, this is ongoing. This is something I continue to learn. This is something I continue to incorporate and make more and more tools so that I, and my goal for people is to have them like have tool sets and knowledge and capacity so that they don't need me. And I know that sounds markety and, you know, and cause I don't know, but I just really believe that like a successful thing is somebody who isn't going to need me anymore unless uh-huh. they like me and I come up with creative things and they want to just continue to elucidate with yeah. overcoming pain and research bears me out, but somewhere between 40 and 80% of people with chronic pain, at least in the spine somewhere, it's related to muscles and muscle balance, right? Mm-hmm. And so you can do something about that if you have the skills of anatomy and alignment and movement. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really sad for me to see just, I'm going to go to the doctor, I'm going to get some surgery. And then it's like, no, it just sometimes you need it, but sometimes you don't. And if you want a little statement or a little, what do they call little thought or quote, it's like, I, in terms of encouraging people with pain to see a doctor, you know, like, cause I was a health journalist for 15 years and we had doctors breathing down our necks, you know, medical reviewers and whatnot. And I always have to go see your doctor and for legal reasons, you know? And so, but really it should be flipped that we should see the doctor about 20% of the time. Cause some people really honestly need medical attention and we should have the skills ourselves as our fully embodied bodied human being, just like we're talking with nonviolent communication, creativity, art, journaling, thinking about ourselves, movement awareness, using posture as an adverb and not a thing to remember your mother by. <laughs> we should use those and embrace and incorporate our own ability to live in our own skin, to own and operate our own body. And this has always been a hot button for me because that belief causes, it caused me to not fulfill the the most meaningful dream that I ever had. You know, is that you can't do it. You're not able to do it. You know, you got to go get a shot. You got, you know, got to, and it just that. So I want to help people come in and like really embody and then be inside the body with skill because I've seen so many miracles. I hope I'm not over the top there. (laughs) No, but, you know, are you I think kidding? You understand what I'm saying. I was actually thinking about today when I was taking my walk. You know, I love the concept that there is unlimited creativity and unlimited abundance in the universe. That's something mm-hmm. that for me is a, a spiritual belief that I have. And then I was thinking, because <laughs> I was I was walking and, and this guy came from the other way and he was an older gentleman and he was running with what I would say terrible posture, and I'm, I know nothing about running, <laughs> yeah. but he just looked very not properly running. And he, he was very, yeah, right? he, he looked very angry. Like he didn't even look at me. You know, usually you say hi as you pass wow. people on the path. And, right. and I thought, yes, the universe is unlimited and all of these wonderful things and creativity and everything. But when we're in these human bodies, we have a certain degree of physical limitations. Like I have to sleep. We have to sleep. We have to, there are certain Uh limitations that we have, but at the same time, there are all these people who are pushing the limits of physical, like even just like in the professional sports world, right? Like look at the things that they do. And I just find it very interesting that we do have limitations, but 
I'm a very optimistic person and I agree with you. I think that when we have those self-limiting thoughts of, oh, I can't do that because I'm 75 or I can't do that because, mm-hmm. you know, I have back pain or I'm just mm-hmm. not good enough. I'm not going to, I'm just not going to be able to figure it out. We're, we're imposing these limitations on ourselves and we don't need to impose exactly. any additional limitations. Like we already have them being yeah. in this physical body. Well, so the potential is always there. The potential. So I want to just correct one little thing, but I totally agree with you know your trajectory there. Is that we have the potential? We have the potential for limitations. This is the same thing as like you grow up, you sit at a desk at school, and then you have a desk job, and you get your world gets more limited because of it. Like we don't have to choose that kind of job. Of course, most people do. Um, it's very challenging not to give into that. But it's really the potential for limiting. That's how I see it. And that's, again, why I love these techniques like nonviolent communication, because they help me open up the parts of my being to allow me to fully move and express. Right. Well, I mean, when I say when I say we have limitations, like we have to eat, we have to drink water, we have to sleep. Like, I, I believe that there are physical limitations. Now, if if there was I also believe that if you truly, truly believed that you didn't need to eat, that you could survive without eating. Like I, I am, uh-huh. I am open to that, that type of potential as well, because uh-huh. when you look uh-huh. at, when you look at the placebo effect, we can see that, right? That when actually I was at this conference, um, recently a nutrition conference in California, and there was a man who was presenting all these studies about the placebo effect. For example, mm-hmm. you know, they were, they took, this is a clinical trial in humans, not in rats. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they took two groups and they, they told them, they gave them the same amount of food, identical diets. Okay. Everything was controlled. Uh-huh. They fed them throughout uh-huh. the day. One group was told that they were eating a sensible, calorically restricted diet. And the other group mm-hmm. was told that they were eating a high-calorie diet. I think they even told them it was 3,000 calories a day or so. I can't remember, but it, it was like a lot. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. The people, they're eating the same diet. The people who were told they were uh-huh. eating a lot of food gained uh-huh. weight. Wow. <laughs> okay, what about the movement aspect, though? Were they, did they get up and pace more, or do some exercises? Or no, I think, like they, that, I or? think they, they kept them in a very controlled environment for however long it was. Wow. They, they, I don't so think, they adjusted for the differences in They exercise, adjusted. But, I mean, in any okay. study, any good study, they have to do that. Now, right. you know, who knows? I'm not saying that I, you know, I'm not going to base my nutrition practice off of that. But right, it's, a, right. it's very interesting. <laughs> and the placebo effect is so real that they use it. That's literally what they use in, in research to see if something's working or not. Right. Uh-huh. So I, I agree with you that we, you know, m- most of the limitations that we have on what we want to do in life are completely are self-imposed. I think we, we both definitely. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's so sad because now I'm getting older, you know, and so it's like, I feel, and I live in a, a town where there's a lot of emphasis on youth and young people and college students and the whole nine yards. And mm-hmm. so I constantly get this pressure to go away, sit on the sidelines, you know, just be useful for things like donating and then go away. And <laughs> oh, this, this yeah. is like, you know, <laughs> and this is like, I don't see myself the same way you do. I'm not going to say it, but I, there, you know. It changes when you get older. It's more responsibility. Like if you want to have human growth 
hormone or what you would know better than me what it's called that comes from strength training. You know, you got a strength train. It's not right. just given to you like it is for a kid, which keeps people young, yeah. feeling young, you know. So there's a lot of little things like that that you have to manage more, but I'm willing to do it. And I want to help mm-hmm. people that are my age and older to not feel like life is over just because you got to a certain age because life is not over. Life yeah. will be over when it's over, you know, not yes. now. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah, we have so much potential. And and oftentimes I find uh, this week I uh, we had a new client who came in. She's 74 years old. And I said to her, I said, you know, the sky's the limit for you. Like, there's nothing holding you back because she she definitely is like ready to make changes and her diet is already really good and she's active. But, you know, I said, look, let's let's get you strength training and let's get you eating yeah. more antioxidant rich foods, more fibers, better proteins and like nothing major. And, and I said, mm-hmm. you could be even more badass than you already are. Like this yeah. is this is so exciting. I, I love, love yes. that. And it doesn't matter where you are. You know, Uh like maybe you're not that woman who's, you know, already in that situation. Maybe you, like you said, you know, you're dealing with a lot of chronic pain, but there's always that potential and that possibility to improve, which is so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, we got to think for ourselves, you know, we got to feel like Joe Schmo or the article I just read or my mother or whomever, they can, you know, if I let them in, they can give their opinion, but I got to be the one to decide yeah. how I'm going to handle me because there's so many beautiful, wonderful ways to feeling better. Um, maybe Joe Schmo or mother or, whom, or the article that was written, maybe they're not aware of these ways. You know what yeah. I mean? So do your research and make your own decision because there's so much possibility, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And also that desire to do whatever it is that you want to do should be based on what, like who you are and what's important to you, not somebody else. Like, you know, somebody might, you, you might take two people who look pretty much the same and one, one of them might say, oh, I really need to lose weight. And the other one might say, hey, I, I love my body the way it is right now. So that, yeah. that determination of what's important to you, what you want to do with your yes, health and your possibility you. is like, you decide what that is. No one, no one should decide it for you. People who are in pain, I feel like when they decide to stay in pain, mm-hmm. that kind of is, you know, the jackal speaking. Yes. <laughs> because, yes. you know, it comes so closely with depression and and lack of believing in yourself. Mm-hmm. And that's what they express, whether it's through words or the way their posture is or how little they do in life and what that does to their relationships. That's kind of a jackly energy in my world. And when we do things like what you do or what I do to make life, to turn us into our best versions of ourselves, that's a bit more like the giraffe. This is Uh just, again, my opinion. This is my thinking on it, but. No, I agree with you. I think if you are at that place where you see that possibility for yourself, you're already in uh, kind of that giraffe mode and, we all have these moments or periods in our lives, or maybe we, maybe everybody doesn't, but I think most people have that period of time where we're in the jackal mode. Like you said, you know, you were in that jackal mode for a while and, yeah, you know, it's just part of life. And, but if you're in that jackal mode and you're kind of telling this really negative story, it's really hard to see potential. And so, uh, right. yeah, that's, that's such a good point. And it, and it's a vicious cycle, you know, that, that chronic pain, yes makes you miserable. Uh I mean, perpetuates itself. And we know also that trauma 
PTSD or whatever names we want to put on it, trauma with a capital T, you know, if it's not processed through and worked through over time, it can cause physical manifestations of illness. So this right. is a complex thing that we're talking about here. But I love the fact that we're we're kind of picking it apart a little bit, like, you know, like we're just exploring and, and it's so much fun to do and that. bringing different worlds together to, to the same phenomenon of what it means to be a human being, you know? Yeah. Oh, this is what I yeah. call co-creating. This is co-creation. I love co-creating. I know, me too, <laughs> me too. And, but it's gotta have, we gotta be in, I mean, I think right now we're both sort of in that giraffe state. So it's, it's easier, you know, to kind of, to have that flow of energy when you're. Well, it's more pleasant. And there was something that you said just a second ago around, um, okay, so when you're in the jackal and you start looping down in this vicious cycle, one of the things, at least this happens to me, is like for me to say, oh, there's possibility out there. I have to like really confront my behavior mm-hmm. and I don't always feel inclined to do that. <laughs> and so then I guess the only other option is to continue going down that vicious spiral again, you know, yeah. and become more of a jackal. So, yeah. And, and that's where like I've heard, I've listened to some of your other podcasts and you're like, you know, it's really important to get help from a professional when that's appropriate. And I think that if you can find the right professional, you know, that's a time you want somebody to the right person to help you kind of confront your, your, your behavior. Yeah. Like, I don't always, I'm not always successful at doing that for myself. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I know I went through that period. Like I got, I had COVID again in, in July and it like oh, put me in, in, I would say a modified jackal mode. I mean, I wasn't like <laughs> totally out of control, but I def, I stopped meditating. And like, as soon as uh-huh. I stopped meditating, I feel like everything just gets more jackally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> jackly. This is very jackly. Now we're we're turning it into an, an adjective, right? Um, I or love as, it. or is that an adverb? <laughs> but yeah. So and it was weird. I and then I kind of came out of it in the past couple of weeks, and I was like, wow. Like I felt like I was like dark cloud. You know, like I had like this dark cloud following me around for several months, and now I feel like ah, I can, I can see that possibility again and that potential. And I just feel so good. So I, I know for myself, I'm not going to speak for anybody else, but for myself, I know that I'm going to go in and out of these phases and I'm going to be okay with it because it's happening anyway. I might as well accept it. You know, the question is, can I shorten that, shorten those periods, you know? Okay. So two things. I agree that this part of the human life does sometimes be jackly and sometimes be giraffey, but the giraffe is a skill that we learn mm-hmm. and practice. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's one thing. The other thing is I wanted to offer you a little something because I didn't know you had COVID. I'm really sorry about that. But I did a, um, during the pandemic, I did a yoga teacher training program and it was actually a very excellent, well put together program. And there was a woman in there. So this is how she introduced herself basically because of the first night, you know, um, she and her brother both had COVID and her brother, who did no yoga and no practices or anything, he died. Huh. And she did the yogic breathing. And I mean, she's very, very hurt and sad that her brother died. So I'm not like saying, oh, you know, she's saying she's the greatest thing to chocolate cake or anything. Right. But she did yogic breathing while she was doing COVID and, now, and she recovered fully. Mm-hmm. And so anybody who's out there who has it or has had it, think about basic belly breathing, chest breathing, yogic breathing, you know, these techniques, they can help with their, I mean, anecdotally, they can help people. 
And I wanted to share that in case that's useful because it was certainly useful to me. I didn't get COVID, but I feel like I'm going to definitely keep going with that breathing very much, yeah. you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I practice breathing every day. It's like, it's just, it's so accessible to all of us, which is just wonderful. So I have a couple things. One, you're going to, we're going to be releasing in a couple of days, a podcast episode with Anita Kopach. Definitely uh-huh. listen. She talks about how she overcame okay. long haul COVID and you are going to love this, Anne. I will. Yes, yes. Because it's, it's totally, it's along the lines of what we're talking about. Oh, and I also wanted to mention to you that there was another episode, which you may have listened to with Dr. Mary O'Connor and Comwell Hawk, who is a uh, medical anthropologist. That was uh, maybe a couple weeks ago or so. And we talk about like the medical system and how masculine, uh, patriarchal, and, you know, women are just dismissed, not even included in research and all this stuff. But um, Dr. O'Connor is an orthopedic surgeon who now has a practice she doesn't do surgery anymore. It's more functional mm-hmm. stuff. She said that 50% of back surgeries are unnecessary. Yep. 50%. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. I just, I thought, I know that was way back in the conversation when we were talking about pain but and doctors right. and stuff, but I just wanted to tell you, so you might appreciate both of those episodes and also for anybody listening. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm definitely going to listen to that podcast for sure. And I, I can well imagine I've done, you know, a lot as a journalist, I did quite a bit of going through the numbers and yeah, basically because with low back pain, it's up to 80% of people. It's a kind of thing you can handle yourself if you know what you're doing. Yeah. And for neck pain, it's about 40 to 60%. So if 80% of the people of low back pain can take care of it themselves, it makes sense that 50% of surgeries are unnecessary because the surgeons will do anything. And then, well, not all of them. I'm sure there's some good ones out there. Most of the time, the person's pain is coming from muscle imbalance. Yes. Yeah. So muscle imbalance is the only way to deal with that is to move and learn how to move with the body in alignment and balance. Yeah. There's no other way that I've ever seen. And I've helped people avoid surgeries yeah. very dramatically, as a matter of fact. Oh, so, you know, it, it may have been 80% now that you're saying that. I'm not very good with remembering numbers, but it was it was a lot. If it's 80%, it's even more insane. And I'll, I'll share my story. I had lower back pain for 25 years. I mean, and oh, wow. I, it started in my 20s, like, Gosh, you know, I was so young and it's gone. It's completely gone. It's been gone since 2016, which is uh, six years now, almost seven years. And is that from weight loss or? No, it was from, I worked with a personal trainer local here. I actually had a shoulder Mm -hmm. injury that we were working on. Mm -hmm. And after like two months, I was like, his name is Preston and I love him. He's dear, dear, dear friend. And he got rid of my back pain. So I'll love him forever. But I said, mm-hmm. I said, Preston, you know, my lower back doesn't hurt anymore. And he was like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was really, you know, he has a very deep, deep level of understanding of, of you know, how the body works and the, and the anatomy and the physiology and, and, you know, the things that you need to do. The one thing I learned from him, when I had pain, oftentimes I, we would go move toward the pain in, you know, in a very guided way. I'm not telling anybody to go off and do this on your own. But it was, like you said, it was muscular deficiencies, imbalances, weaknesses, overstretched muscles, you know, all different things in my body. And and we really Mm -hmm. fixed it by stabilizing muscles Mm -hmm. and and eventually, eventually strengthening them. And it's absolutely incredible. And I'm glad that we're talking about this because, again, like people listening and, you know, 
there's a lot of dysfunction that can be fixed if you're working with someone who really, really knows what they're doing. And I went through so many, I went through multiple personal trainers, chiropractors, acupuncture even one time, physical therapists, mm-hmm. you know, I had the, mm-hmm. the MRI, like all, none of it worked. Mm-hmm. And I actually just gave up in like my thirties. I just gave up trying to fix my back. And then I meet this one person who we weren't even working on my back. So know that it's out there. And there are people out there like you, Anne, who can help people. You know, there is help. And if if you can't help them, you can probably direct them to someone who can. So that's, that's, you know, if you you think someone needs surgery, you're going to tell them. Oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, of course. So there are wonderful people out there. It's just sometimes it's hard because you don't if you don't meet that right person. Yeah. You know, and I, can I offer a little tip for anybody like because the medical system is designed to look at you in pieces of if you went to the medical system for that. You probably got, you know, for the thing you had, you had shoulder diagnosis and shoulder physical therapy and shoulder yes. surgery potentials. And the way this works, when it really works, it's miracles because it does work miracles. One of the factors is a whole body approach. And it sounds like whether or not you and Preston were directly intending to work whole body, you were. Well, we and were. that's what fixed it. Yeah, we, we definitely okay. were. Like he had me doing stuff with my feet. I was like, what does this have to do with my shoulder? Like there was all this stuff that he, I, I don't know if it was my shoulder or not. I didn't ask him, but he had me, I mean, we were working total body. And I do want to tell you that it was funny because when I first, my first hurt my shoulder, I went to a shoulder doctor. He didn't, he doesn't uh-huh. do wrists. He doesn't do angle. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh-huh. I mean, they, you know, he doesn't even look to see that, it, you know, even in diagnosis, you know, or perhaps it's this muscle thing. Like you did no. learn about muscles in medical school, didn't you? No, you know? no. it was like it was like 10 minutes. Only to operate on them. Yeah, he, he did an x-ray, 10 minutes talking to me, maybe an x-ray and then a, a note to go to the physical therapist who, by the way, all of the activities that she told me to do, Preston said were going to make my shoulder worse. So, and they, and he, wow. and he was actually right because when I was doing, I went to the physical therapy session, my shoulder hurt more afterwards than it did before. Yeah. The system is, it's totally segmented and all of our medical system. And that that's just not how the body works. And it's set up to like, you know, just to crank customers through, like, you know, I, yeah. like I said, I was this journalist and I wrote an article on a therapy I had no contact with, but I did all the medical research and was vetted by the medical reviewers on medial branch block, which is a treatment for, I think she had it in her spine or her neck. I can't remember. And out of the blue, like 10 years after I wrote that article, this woman calls me up. She looks me up and I've had this happen a few times. And she says, your article has helped me so much. I didn't realize there was a controversy in the medical system. And you know, like with the writing, I was able to point that out politely. Uh-huh. And perhaps the research didn't match what the doctors were doing. And the way she described it was like she was being coerced into doing this thing that intuition told her, well, wait a minute, I got to double check that this is right. They would not let her double check. And it was all drive through medicine. And the woman was probably about 70 something and probably frail and, she, you know, like smart and had a little bit of that courage on the inside. But then you meet the system that has an agenda with 10 minutes for each appointment and hurry up and do it my way. We've got to have so many quotas. And that is not fair to the individual. I could tell it is one of my hot buttons. It makes me so angry that the system would take these innocent, vulnerable people and just, in some cases, ruin their lives just because they needed another customer. You know, 
I mean, we do need to meditate. I'm looking at your face right now. When I think <laughs> we're getting we're getting a little jackly here. <laughs> we are getting a little jackly, Uh-oh. but that's okay. Like that's the thing is that I I I am going to love the jackal in me. I love the jackal yes, in me because the there. jackal is, like you said, some a couple of times like is there for us to learn. Like, oh, there's something that's really important to me here. And that's why. Yeah. So that I, I feel your anger and I think we need to feel that <laughs> anger and and you know, because there's real injustices going on and uh, we need to speak more. So yes. for and we're gonna wrap it up because you know, it's that time of day and, and we've been on for a while oh, and so stuff, but, you know, I'm glad we're having this conversation because if we could just influence one person to question that system, that would be uh-huh. wonderful to just be aware, you know, just okay. having that awareness. But thank you so much. Yeah. Anne. Thank you, Jill. This, this has been great. incredible. Just such a great conversation. Thank you so much for listening to that very stimulating conversation that I just had with Ann Asher. Ann is a workstation wellness consultant, health coach, personal trainer, and yoga teacher. And she basically helps employees, people who work from home, business owners, and uh, other people who are sitting all day to compute in comfort and wellness. And she basically uses subtle movement practices, body alignment, and exercise to release chronic pain without drugs or surgery. And as you guessed from this um, podcast episode, there is so much more to this than just body movement and body alignment. There is this total body approach, body and mind approach that uh, Anne takes, which I think is very, very important. Uh, to take into account the entire being when we are um, addressing chronic pain or just our posture. So the cool thing is that Anne has offered, uh, you know, for people who've listened to the podcast, she has this uh, freebie, which is basically a pain-free desk posture in five minutes opt-in kind of thing. So we will give you the link to that in the show notes, and you can uh, just do that quick little thing and learn how to have less pain when you're sitting at your desk very easily. So I think that's an awesome resource for you. And also don't forget to check out our website, which is winweightloss.com. That's W-Y-N weightloss.com. And the WIN, the W-Y-N stands for with your nature. So we encourage you to play and work with your nature in the process of losing weight. And just as Anne uses the whole body, mind, and spirit in the, her approach, we do the same thing. We believe that there, uh, first of all, there is no one diet that's right for everybody. We have to all um, observe and honor our own individual needs and preferences, our genetics, all of that stuff. So every, every person has a unique way of eating that's going to serve them best. But we also come at it from a place of love and compassion and forgiveness and acceptance and all of that good juicy stuff, awareness, being present, and really taking care of yourself in the weight loss process. That is way more exciting than uh, and, and beneficial and sustainable than the typical dieting paradigm, which we invite you to step away from and join us at winweightloss.com. Thanks for listening.